Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our series, Help My Unbelief. In this series, we dive into one of the most challenging topics in the Christian walk, doubt. Not only is doubt natural, but we believe that by grounding ourselves in the truth of God's Word, the Lord will use our doubts to quicken us back to Himself. Over these four weeks, we hope to unearth what it looks like to grow in uncertainty, clinging to Christ while walking alongside Christian community. Turning your Bibles to Matthew 11, Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to look very quickly um, at a section of scripture that I think is going to change your life. Hello, hey, hey, wake up. Easter. Can I, can I say something about Easter? Also, um, I almost let Pastor Nick preach. He was talking about revival. I got all hopped up there for a second um, because what we saw last week was so transforming. We saw people give their lives to Jesus last week. Yeah, that's good. That's worthy of some hand claps. Um, connect cards. I mean, Last week was amazing, and, and I'm so thankful for each of you. Uh, some of you experienced the presence of God last week, and what we know is this, that when you come in contact with Jesus, everything changes. Everything changes. Um, and one of the things that changed for me, anybody in here naturally skeptic? You're just a natural, you, you just don't believe anything, okay? You, you're skeptical of everything right out front. That's me, okay? I'm, I'm naturally skeptic. Um, maybe it's because of people who've lied to me. Anybody ever had somebody lie to you? Take advantage of you? Pull one over on you? Yeah. And so uh, from a very young age, I was just very, I had questions, I was skeptical, and can I tell you, you've, if you're a skeptic and if you have doubts, you've come to the right place. This place is not afraid and God is not afraid of your skepticism or of your doubt. He can handle it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're starting a series today called Help My Unbelief. Help My Unbelief. Many people think that doubt is only attributed to lost people because in the church, historically, we don't talk about doubt, at least not out loud. Like if we have doubts, we keep them to ourselves, right? Yeah. We don't want anybody to know our doubts, but what we're going to look at over the next four weeks in Scripture is great men and women of God who had doubts. And if you leave here with anything today, I want you to leave here knowing that um, it is okay to doubt. It's okay to doubt. Now, I'm about to pull a, uh, um, a squirrely one on you. I'm preaching without notes today. Is that okay? Is that all right? Because I flipped them open. Obviously, the Lord didn't want me to have them because I put them here this morning. Everyone has experienced doubt. Every single one of us in this room. Now, some of us 
can attribute those doubts to God. You point your doubts at God, and what we're going to find today in chapter 11 is a guy, and he had doubts. But what I hope that you leave here with is this, that doubt is not the end of faith. Doubt can be the beginning of true faith. Yeah. Doubt is not the end of the road. It can be kind of the beginning or crossroads. Oh, look at that. In the Lord good. In the Lord good. I had some very specific things I want to say to you. Um, and so let's look at this together. Uh, what is doubt? What is doubt? Well, if you ask this guy named Oz Guinness, a uh, really bright mind, he said to believe is to be in one mind accepting that something is true. To believe is to accept in one mind that something is true. To disbelieve is to accept in one mind that something is to be rejected. To doubt is to be tossed back and forth between the two. It's not full-on disbelief. Did you know that you can believe in Christ and serve Christ regularly and still have doubts? And that's okay to say. It is okay today for you to have doubts. It's okay. Can you take a deep breath just real quick? Because some of y'all look nervous. Some of y'all look real nervous right now that you're like, oh, I've never heard this preached. It's okay to have doubts. The Greek word we see often, it's kind of this picture, this Greek word for anxious, is this thought, this process of being tossed back and forth. You see it in the book of James too, that, that a person being tossed like waves back and forth, belief and doubt can exist at the same time. Now, I'm gonna ask you a question, and I don't want you to answer. Please don't answer, because I don't have time to like, answer all your doubts individually, but... What are you doubting today? Where are your doubts? Are you doubting that God can work in your family? Are you doubting that God can work in your finances? Are you doubting that God can work in your kids or in your jobs or in your relationships? Where's your doubt? In your marriages? Where are you doubting God? Um, Is God really who he says he is. Have you ever asked yourself that? Some of y'all are perfect, so I don't know why you're here. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to leave. I'm just going to leave. I'm going to take my doubt sermon down the street where somebody will talk to me. That's fine. And how do I deal with those doubt questions? Okay. People get real uncomfortable talking about doubt, but I'm praying that you leave here changed, okay? This, this word right here can make the difference in you leaving here with doubts or you leaving here with a way to address them. Now, some of you are gonna leave here and you're okay with your doubts. You're okay with where you are and you will leave here the same as what you came, but I'm praying. I'm asking God. I asked him this morning before you ever got here that the Holy Spirit would convict you in your doubts, and lead you out of them. Okay, all right. Let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 11. We're gonna start in verse one. 
When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and preach in towns throughout the region. So I want to very quickly point out where we are in the story. We're about uh, midway through Jesus' ministry here in Matthew, okay? And Jesus is now sending his disciples to go do ministry. He's going to do ministry. He's sending people out, and um, miracles are happening all over the place. Miracles. And then we have this guy named John. Everybody say John. John the Baptist. How many of you have ever heard of John the Baptist before today? Okay, no, that's good. Look, y'all take for granted. Some of y'all grew up in church. You hear John the Baptist all the time. Somebody watching online today or somebody just got saved last weekend, they don't know who John the Baptist is. So let me tell you about John. John the Baptist, he was actually John the baptizing one, okay? Uh, He was known because he was baptizing people. He was Jesus' cousin. How's that for a cousin? Have you ever had a hard time convincing someone? Can you imagine Jesus having to try and convince family members? Some of y'all have family members, you're like, they couldn't convince me of anything. Well, John was Jesus' cousin, and John was a weird bird. Anybody in here weird? You won't admit it. Clayburn, <laughs> you are a weird bird. Yes, you are. That's all right. If you're weird, you're welcome here. John, look, let me tell you how crazy John was. John was so passionate about what the Lord had called him to do and the message he'd been given that he was to prepare the way for the Messiah. He'd been given, the, he, he was out there, and so he went into the wilderness, went out by the river, He had this big belt on and and long. He didn't cut his hair and he was eating locusts and honey. Yeah, weird, weird guy. He was out there baptizing people, declaring that there's someone coming who's going to change the game. There's a prophecy that's going to be fulfilled and it's coming and I'm telling everyone, hey, get ready, get ready. And he was baptizing people in the river. In fact, he baptized Jesus. I'd be nervous. John the Baptist was the one who said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This was John. Bold. Fervent. Passionate about doing what God had called him to do. Jesus comes He said, behold, here's Jesus, and then Jesus gets in the water. Okay, this is the story. John baptizes Jesus. The Bible says the sky opens up, a dove comes out of heaven, and the voice of God speaks. That Yeah, hey, amen. Would you say that's a life-changing experience? Oh, some of y'all wouldn't be shocked. Okay, that's cool. Some of y'all... If the sky opened up and God's voice spoke, I guarantee you, you change your mind. Now, this is John the Baptist. And what we find here, let's look at verses two and three. John the Baptist, who was in prison, uh uh-oh, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, 
Hey, watch this. Pay attention. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we be looking for somebody else? How many of you have ever heard the story that John the Baptist had some doubts? You heard this? Look. Look at this. John the Baptist, first, he was in prison. So let me point this out. Anybody want to know why he was in prison? Some of y'all like all the juicy details, so I figured I'd give it to you. John, uh, as bold and passionate as he was, uh, Herod uh, had a bunch of his kids that were running different. This is Herod Antipas, okay? He lived in this region where one of Herod's boys was running to join, okay? And so Herod divorced his wife and married his brother's wife. Uh Uh-oh. I don't know why I was going to ask anybody ever done that. I don't don't need to know. (laughs) And so John goes to Herod, the guy who's ruling, the Roman emperor at the time. He was ruling this region. He goes to him and said, you shouldn't have done that. You are wrong. Now, understand, Rome was not friendly with Christians. This was bold. He walked right up to Herod and said, you're wrong. So they threw him in prison. Threw him in prison. And you know how his story ends? With his head cut off. For those of you who think that living for Jesus always ends well, hear me, it doesn't always end well. In fact, it didn't end well for any of the disciples. And this is where doubt creeps in. When everything we expected it would be turns out to not be that way. Have you ever been in that phase of life where you thought, hey, I'm serving the Lord. I'm doing everything I can. I'm showing up to church. And then, but things aren't working out. Life is hard. Things aren't going the way that I thought they would go because we had expectations of Jesus that were never there. And now all of a sudden when our expectations are let down, we point our doubt at God. John Bloom, who co-founded Desiring God, he said this about John's struggle. He said, But stuck alone in this putrid cell, he was assaulted by horrible, accusing thoughts. What if he had been wrong? There had been many false prophets in Israel. What made him so sure he wasn't one of them? What if he had led thousands astray? The thought of being executed for the sake of righteousness and justice he could bear, but he could not bear the thought that he might have been wrong about Jesus. His one task was to prepare the way of the Lord. If he had gotten that wrong, his ministry, his life was in vain. He's sitting here in prison. Times have become rough and doubts creep in. So he says here in two and three, are you really who you say you are? And I'm afraid that some of us have come to that place and here's what most of us do when we begin to doubt. We back away. What's the first thing you do when you doubt? Let's not even talk about God. What happens when you start to doubt the motivations of other people? You back away from them, right? We treat God the same way. All of a sudden we have doubts and we start to back away. 
So why would he doubt? Let's go back. Let's remember John the Baptist had seen the sky crack open, a dove come out of it, and the voice of God speak. You know what this means? You can attend church and experience God and still have doubts. Yep. For those newly saved, you can still have doubts. I can tell you, this preacher right here has had doubts. When you're on your fifth miscarriage, you have doubts. When your marriage is stressed, you have doubts. I've gone to church my whole life. I've gone to church my whole life. Why is my life looking this way? When the bank account is red and not black, you have some doubts. Some of y'all don't know about red bank accounts, but let me tell you something. When there was $1.35 in my bank account in college and I needed a full tank of gas, I went ahead and swiped the car. I said, I'll pay the bank back later. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, okay? I'm not suggesting it. I'm just telling you, they charge that $35 as many times as they want, okay? Why would he doubt? Look at what he's seen. And what we see is that he now has two minds battling one another. I've seen God move. I've seen him work. I've seen his work in my life and my kids' life around me. But now I look around me and all I see is a jail cell and my impending death. I can't tell you how many times I've been in the room with cancer patients when they first get the diagnosis and they've seen God be faithful in the past, but now they're staring cancer in the face. They say, is God really who he says he is? Why would he doubt? Satan's tactic. Look at me. Don't go to sleep. Satan's tactic from the get-go, from the get-go, is to get you to doubt two things. God's love for you and God's word to you. From the garden, the very first things Satan wants to do, this roaring line that's after you, okay, is to get you to doubt God's love for you and doubt God's word to you. And so, John wasn't seeing what he expected, so he begins to doubt Jesus. Um, it's not the end of faith, though. Look at me. It is not the end of faith, um, but it can be the beginning of true faith, true understanding. And, and hear me, much joy and contentment in Christ. That's, where, well, that's what doubt can do for you. Um, Arthur uh, Wade Burden writes this. I believe there are three kinds of doubt. Intellectual doubt, emotional doubt, and moral doubt. Intellectual doubt is when our minds are unsure whether the teachings of Christianity are true. Emotional doubt is most often associated with pain. It's when we feel like Christianity isn't true. And moral doubt, the third kind, usually happens when we are tempted to disbelieve Christianity because we don't want it to be true. Now, some of us can't even fathom that. But there are a lot of people who come to faith in Christ and then look at the world around you and you see starving kids. Hey, listen, 
since AOC's here and we, we, we were encouraging you to take part, go out on a Thursday. Head down to Jeff Davis or down to Petersburg. And what you will see is hurt and abandonment. And this is what you'll say. The thought pops in your mind. Is God really who he says he is? Look at these people. I'm here to tell you today that God is who he says he is. And whether our doubts are intellectual or emotional or moral, whatever they could be, all these doubts are things that Christians have wrestled with for centuries. And God will use your doubts to transform you. God will use your doubts to transform you one degree into the next. So we've all, we're all on the same page, right? We all have doubts. We all have faced doubts. What do we do with doubts? Let's see what Jesus had John to do. Verse four, Jesus told them, go back to John and tell him what you have seen or heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. So Jesus could have said many, many things. He could have said, hey, just tell him I'm the one. But he didn't. How did Jesus tell them to instruct John to handle his doubts? Go and tell him the lame are walking. The blind are being made to see. Lepers are being cured. The dead are being raised. And the good news is being preached to the poor. He tells John to do this. Go to the word of God. Do you know where these things come from? What Jesus just said? Isaiah. Isaiah 31.1, which was written hundreds of years before Jesus ever came on the scene, said there's going to come a Messiah that will make the lame to walk, that will make the blind to see, that will cure the leper, that will raise the dead to life, and who will preach to the poor. Isaiah 35.5 and 61.1 all direct John. So what does Jesus tell John to do? When you have doubts, go to the word. Go to the word. Go to what you know is true. Because a lot of us, when we start doubting, we'll like call our BFF on the phone. Be like, hey, let me run this by you. Let me tell you something. Your friends, how faithful they may be, will never trump the truthfulness and stability of the word of God. And a lot of us will spiral into further doubt because we have the wrong information going in our ears. You're listening to the wrong voices. And what is Satan trying to do? He's trying to get you to disbelieve that God loves you and disbelieve this word right here. When in doubt, go back to the word. If you doubt your salvation, jump over to John. Look, John 10, 28, what does it say? I give you eternal life and they will never perish no one can snatch them away from me. Doubt your Christian 
uh, life, go to Hebrews. Look at this. Hebrews 13, 21 says, I stuck it on the wrong page. I was like, man, that doesn't read right. Look at this. Hebrews. 1321. Here it is. Mr. Page. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. Every good thing that is pleasing to him, all glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Doubt God's provision? Look at Luke. Luke eleven twenty four says this. Man, I messed this whole thing up. Oh, here it is. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them, and you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Hear me, when you have doubts about God, go to his word. That's what I'm saying to you. That's what I'm saying. Don't go to the newspaper. Please don't go to Facebook and be real choosy about the friends that you allow to speak into your heart. You know who I call when I'm having wrestlings? I call Christian brothers and sisters who can encourage me to do one thing. Look at Jesus, look at his word. That's what they'll tell me to do. That's how you handle doubt. Allow God's word to adjust our expectations to his will and not our own. God never promised uh, that we would always be good and healthy. God never promised lots of money, smooth sailing, but he did promise us this. Look at Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear. Everybody say, do not fear. For I am with you. Isn't that good? Do not be dismayed, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What am I saying to you? We will use our doubts to push us towards Jesus, not away. Today, every one of the doubts you have about God, you look at the life you have around you, the doubts that you then cast shade on your faith. Listen, instead of using it to back away, can I encourage you? Can I encourage you to take it and use it to turn your doubts into pursuit? Turn your doubts into pursuit, not the reverse. And then lastly, as the band returns, I just want to point one other thing to you. Doubts do not have to define you. Doubts do not have to define you. Many of the reasons people don't talk about doubts in church is because they don't want to be looked down on. Many of you today, wouldn't, you wouldn't even admit your doubts to me because you're afraid of what someone might look at you or say to you. But doubts do not have to define you. Let me just describe the scene. These disciples of John had walked up to Jesus amongst a crowd while he was teaching. And they just exposed all of John the Baptist's doubt in front of all these people to Jesus. And it would be very easy for this crowd to say, oh, well, I guess John's not all he's cracked up to be. Yep. Some of y'all look as if you're like, oh, I would never do that. You would do that. But look at what Jesus does. Look at verse seven. 
As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him, John, to the crowds. And he, so Jesus looks at the crowds and here's what he says. What kind of man did you go to see in the desert? What kind of man did you go to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of the wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothing? No. People with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes. And he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer to when they say, look, I am sending a messenger ahead of you and he will prepare the way before you. That's Malachi 3. Listen to what Jesus says here. Verse 11, I tell you the truth. All of you who have ever lived, of all of you who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. You realize what just happened? Jesus, when he looked, oh, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Jesus, when he looked at John, didn't see his doubts. Jesus saw his obedience. Jesus saw that John was a man who had obeyed and who gave it all. And today, I can tell you, you can take, Jesus didn't define him by his doubt, he defined him by his obedience. You can take every one of your doubts to the Lord today. Don't miss it. Every one of your doubts where you say, can he do it? Can this Jesus you're talking about, preacher, can he actually do all that you say he can do? And even though it's frowned upon to talk about in church, I'm telling you today, you need to expose your doubt. And I want you to do it right now. There's a connect card in the pew in front of you. If you're experiencing doubt today, I want you to take that connect card. I want you to write your information on it. And then I want you to write your doubt and fold it in half. We're going to pray and everybody's going to close your eyes because like, look, every one of you are like, I'm not doing it with everybody's eyes open. I don't want anybody to know about my doubt. Can, can I share something with you? I remember the day that my dad left. I remember. And I'll tell you why. Because I, I remember the feeling of doubt settling into my spirit because I had been raised in church and I had seen my parents worshiping together and then, and then I saw my dad walk away from it all. And I remember after we had moved we moved over to Sandston over by the airport and I remember the day you know my dad kind of left the state and I remember going I can, I can picture the house and, and, and I'm telling you today for those who have genuinely experienced doubt when you got the bad diagnosis or when that friendship you thought was going to last forever gets severed in two when the 
when the cars aren't working or, or you got saved and you thought things are going to work out now and they just didn't I remember going to the right side of my house on Monaco Drive I remember it and I remember pleading to the Lord I thought I was doing everything you asked of me why is this happening and I remember this still small voice saying to me Carl I am big enough to handle and carry your doubt you know what I see today I see God's hands and nothing being too big for them to hold when you faced what you think is insurmountable and you have this big questions about whether God will actually meet your expectations what I am pleading of you is not to fall away not to lean away but to find a small group to keep coming on Sundays to get you a copy of this book if you don't have one take one it's in the back of the pew and go here and I can tell you that God never promises easy and that God never promises that I won't doubt but what he does promise is that he's big enough to absorb all of it and that today whether you're willing to admit your doubts or not that God can take them and here's what he'll do if you if you look at his word this word in his presence will pour over you a sense of peace a sense of okay I get it I understand it I know what I'm looking at around me imagine being John in that prison looking around me and saying all I've done is what I thought I was supposed to do and here I am you'll be able to look around and say I know what he said and if you're concerned today am I going to make it you're going to make it his word promises that you'll make it his word promises that he will walk by you and never leave you alone today I want you to take your doubts and turn them into pursuit that's what I want you to do with every head bowed and every eye closed today I want you to take every one of your doubts and lay it before the Lord this very moment this very moment before they even begin worshiping I want you to take this moment and say God pray with me Father today every doubt every question every skepticism that's in this room about whether you can heal that wound whether you can save that person whether you are here with me or far away every question today father i'm praying right now that you would answer through your word and that you would comfort them with your spirit that you have not left them or forsaken them that you are near even when it doesn't look so good Father, I pray right now that even as every head is bowed and eye is closed, that people would begin to take that connection card from the pew in front of them, that they would write down that doubt so that we can pray for them and say, hey, pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned with this. or I don't know if God can answer this. Father, let them take it, fold it up, and put it in the boxes in the back so that we can pray for them. 
Lord, today we rely on you in a way that we've never relied on you before. Take every doubt and turn it, turn it God, into a chance to pursue you with even more passion. Let us lean in and not away. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Would you take a moment and just worship? Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.